Well, good morning. We want to welcome everyone to our service today. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. And while you're turning there, I want to tell you about something that's going to be happening in the next month. We're very excited about this. Oftentimes, and I don't know if you would admit to this or not, but oftentimes July is the low point in our faithfulness uh, to follow the Lord in reading our Bible and praying every day. And uh, there are just so many distractions. The weather heats up. There are so many things to be involved in. I think for many of us, our faithfulness wavers a little bit in July. But what if July were the very best month, uh, the very best time in our walk with the Lord each year, that is our goal, at least for this July and the, and the Julys to follow in the next few years. And so we have created what we call our summer series. And so you'll find this in your worship guide. If you'll turn there, find this little brochure. And I want to do something I doubt we've ever done in our service before, but I'm going to ask you to pull out your cell phone I'm going to ask you to put it back up in a moment, but pull it out for just a moment. And I don't know if you're an old pro at this or not, but turn the camera on so that, uh, so that you can see your camera. And I want you to aim it at this little circle in the bottom left corner of the brochure. Have you ever done this before? And something should pop up. Now, maybe I should have practiced this. <laughs> Something should pop up on the top of your camera screen. And when it does, click on it. <laughs> Give me a big nod if it did. I actually did try it this morning and it did. My, um, my phone is taking a little break, a little lunch break, uh, but I can get to the same place you are. You'll find there a web page. Uh, specifically focused on our summer series. And I want to walk you through a few items on this webpage. Now, if you're not a smartphone person, uh, all the information is also in the brochure. But let me tell you a little bit about our summer series. First of all, there's a welcome video by Handsome Man right at the top of the screen. And uh, you can watch that later. Then there's a button uh, in order to pull this same information up in Spanish. And so we want this summer series to be available not only, uh, well, we want it to be available for all the community, uh, both those that speak English and those that speak Spanish. But if you continue down, there are a few words of introduction, and then there are four message titles. We're going to take the first third of the book of Psalms, and we're just going to focus on that with every tool that we have for the month of July 2021. And so you see there are four sermons that we'll preach from the first third of the book of Psalms. And then it says Psalm reading plan. Click here. And so if you click there, it will pull up an assignment that will help you read the first third of the book of Psalms in 31 days. And so I want us all to do this together. So on July the 1st, which is coming up in a few days, July the 1st, we'll all read Psalm 1 through 3. On July the 2nd, chapters 4 and 5. And then on and on and on, we'll all read the same passage every day. 
Now, if you continue to scroll down, the next item says family devotions. And so what we've done is we've prepared eight of these. Uh, each week, we ask that you do two of these. Now, we're going to start not this week, but next week. We want you to hear the first sermon, and then we'll begin the family devotions. And here's what will happen. They're all done, but they'll be on the app on the right days. Uh, but you'll watch about a four-minute video of one of our ministers talking about a single psalm or maybe even a single verse in a psalm that you've read that week. And so he or she will take four or five minutes and go through something in that psalm. I think you'll find that very encouraging. And then there will be some questions. And you'll be able to ask these questions there with your family. Probably take you about 20 or 25 minutes of just really healthy discussion uh, as you talk about this psalm as a family. And I think it'll be something that you'll enjoy and that you'll grow from. So there are eight of those, four weeks, eight devotions, and we'll release those only on the weeks that we want you to do them. If you continue down, there's an app that we talked about a couple of weeks ago that many people use to study the Psalms. Uh, and then if you continue further, uh, there is a song. Uh, so this is a song that uh, Grant, our summit pastor, has written especially for uh, Summer Series 2021. Uh, that is written from the Psalms that we'll be focusing on. And then the last part, Psalm 8. If you just continue to scroll to the bottom of that page, Psalm 8, I want our entire church to memorize Psalm 8. And so if the Lord allows, on Sunday, August the 1st, we'll be taking the Lord's Supper together, and we're going to use Psalm 8 as a part of that worship time there are nine verses, and so if you could memorize one this week and then two each week in July, you'll have the entire psalm memorized by August the 1st. Can you do that? Can you commit to allowing this July to be the very best spiritual month of the year for you and your family? Uh, your devotion times, your family devotion, scripture memory, all that tied together with the sermon. I want to encourage you to invite some of your friends and family uh, who may not be a part of our church, but they might do this Bible reading with you. Uh, a few years ago, we did 100 days through the Bible. Uh, I know that many of you were here then. We took 20 weeks and we read much of the Bible in 20 weeks in 100 week days. We all read the same thing every day. And so many of you invited friends and family from all across the country to do that, that we ended up with just a ton of people a part of that reading the Bible. And we heard so many good reports about how God had used that faithfulness to be in God's word every day to make extraordinary impacts in people's lives and in their communities. And we want to see that this July, what is ordinarily our most difficult month, to be our very best month of the year in our devotions. Now, one more thing I want to do. I want us to read aloud Psalm 8. The nine verses of Psalm 8, you can read it there on your phone or just look to the back page of this brochure. And I want us to read it aloud together. We'll all be able to say it from memory uh, on August the 8th. 
Are you ready to read aloud? Let's go. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds, the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let me pray. Father, we want to honor you with our July this year. We don't want to be distracted by all the busyness that goes on. We want to be focused, laser focused on your word and on your spirit. And I pray that you'll speak through your word as we read each day, that you'll help us encourage each other in these family devotions, that we will hear from you as the messages are preached and in the songs that we sing. And Father, that you might be honored in our lives because we give you this July in a special way. And we pray this all in Christ's name, amen. And so we've been focusing on prayer, the school of prayer, one of our longest sermon series. I don't even remember when we got started, but today is the last day in this series, our school of prayer. And so we began this, if you remember back, by talking about some of those foundational truths that you need to know if you're going to be better at praying. And that's been our goal through this entire series. Not just that we would know more about prayer, but that we would do more about prayer. And so we learned things that first week, such as the fact that prayer is a learned skill. It's not just something you decide to do and you're great at it. And so what happens is people decide to do it and they get frustrated and then quit. But prayer is something we must be committed to. And we will get better at it. We will have more joy in it the more we continue to pray. And so we focused on principles like that as we began. And then we looked at the secret of prayer. Jesus said that there was one thing above everything else that would make us mighty men and women of prayer. Do you remember what it was? Luke 18, 1, pray and don't stop. You know, the people who know most about prayer aren't the ones necessarily who have read the most books about prayer or heard the most sermons about prayer. They're the ones who have prayed the most. The more we pray, the more we'll pray. And so we learned that simple truth. Then we began to look at some of the models for prayer. We began with a model that we called CHAT, C-H-A-T, confess, honor, ask, and think. And we said that that gives us an, an easy way to remember how to work our way through our morning prayers. And also, as we spent, I think, five weeks just on that model, it taught us the different components of prayer that we would use in any kind of daily prayer. 
And then when we finished chat, C-H-A-T, we talked about how can we pray the Bible. We learned that Jesus, as well as so many other people in the, in the Bible, prayed the Bible, prayed the scripture. They, they took portions of scripture and they would read them and use those passages as launching pads, as springboards for their prayer. And we saw how that was the practice in the early church. And it's been the practice for, for many, many centuries. And, and though it's a, it, it's a discipline that has been forgotten in recent years, it's something we can go back to and it can revolutionize our prayer lives. It can help us to fight against perhaps the greatest enemy of prayer, which is boredom. We pray about the same old things in the same old ways, and we're just not very enthused about it until we learn to pray the Bible. Well, then we switch to the last prayer model, the model prayer. And we intentionally save this one for last, the Lord's Prayer, maybe you call it, those those. Uh, titles are really interchangeable. And we began to look at it last week. We just really looked at one word of it last week. We're going to finish it this week, I promise you. Uh, But we looked at the fact that the very basis of that prayer and of every prayer is the fatherhood of God. And so we looked at a little theology, but, but, but hopefully we came away from that time understanding that we can pray and should pray because, not that he is the creator though he is, not that he is sovereign, though he is, not, that, not just that because he is the king, though he is, but we pray because he is the father. He is the father. So now I want us to go back to the Lord's Prayer, and I want to show you today how the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, can be a guide to help you be effective at prayer. Now this message was a struggle to put together because To cover the whole Lord's Prayer in one sermon is just an impossible task. I've divided it up into nine different parts. And as I was studying this, there's about an hour's worth of stuff I wanted to tell you about each part. And there was a a ton of things about many of these parts that when I studied, I wanted to know more. And well, we we really could could have done this whole series just on the Lord's Prayer. But today my goal is not so much to teach all the intricacies and the theology of the parts of the Lord's Prayer, but but to take a brief overview. We're going to go surprisingly fast through these nine things and then show you how to make it a model, a guide. Remember the goal of this whole series, we said, was that you would pray better and pray more. We said that there's nothing better to be better at than prayer. And so today, I want to give you a model that you can hold on to. I think it will make your prayers better. And that's really the focus of our our time together. So let's begin just by reading the passage, uh, Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to begin reading in verse 9. I want you to know that the Lord's Prayer also appears in the book of Luke. And we'll reference that, I think, a little later. But you follow along with me in your Bibles as I read aloud. Matthew 6, 9 says, Therefore you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Now if you're like me, when I hear this, my my mind instantly turns it into King James English. (laughs) Are you the same way? So I read those words and what, what do you think I hear? Hallowed be your name, which is beautiful language as well. Uh, Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, 
give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now that's the end of the prayer, but for many of us, there's still another line, right? And so there's something that might be in older Bibles, such as the King James Bible, which is a great Bible to read and study. Uh, But there's a line there in some of those Bibles that won't be in the more modern Bibles. And it's not because there's some controversy here. It's just that that actual line uh, is not in the oldest Greek manuscripts. And so we're pretty sure it wasn't actually a part of the original, but it's still something good to say. And so here's, here's what many of you feel like you've got to say because you hadn't come to the end until you say this. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And when I say the Lord's Prayer, I, I usually include those words. Uh, you might say, well, if they aren't actually in the original, then where did they come from? Well, they still came from the Bible. They came from 1 Chronicles 29 11 which says, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the splendor and the majesty for everything in the heavens and on earth belongs to you. And so certainly we celebrate uh, that it is for his kingdom, his power, and his glory forever. Now, two things to remember before we just dive into these different phrases. Uh, One is, this is going to be a brief overview, and people reach out and I know, and say, Pastor, why didn't you mention this? Uh, Well, I would have had you, um, had everybody been willing to stay until the picnic this afternoon, I probably would have mentioned a lot of things. Uh, The second thing, though, I want you to to know as we go through this, there's a lot of controversy. You might be surprised, not bad controversy, but there's a lot of debate about exactly what some of these phrases mean. People have written whole books on two or three of these phrases, trying to trying to discern exactly what it means. And when you go through this slowly, sometimes those issues surface. Here's how to solve all of those questions. The Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, is a partnership agreement. Uh, So this isn't just a, a prayer in a vacuum, a request of God and nothing more. This is a partnership agreement. God, here's what I want to partner with you to do. Here's what I want you to do, and I'm with you in this. And when you see this as a partnership agreement, uh, uh, that kind of prayer, I think all of those uh, issues just resolve themselves. So let's just jump in right at the beginning. Verse 9. Therefore, you should pray like this. We're going to come back to that phrase at the end. Our Father in heaven. So I've got this divided into nine pieces, and that's the first of the nine. Our Father in heaven. What should we think about there? Well, last week we talked about the fatherhood of God as the foundation of prayer. And so we won't revisit that. But there are two words I want you to think of. When you read the phrase, our Father in heaven, first think adoption. Adoption. Adoption is the most beautiful picture, I think, in our day of what God has done for us spiritually. He has adopted us. Your adoption means that God has permanently added you to his family based 100% on his initiative and his grace. 
If you go adopt a child that is in a difficult situation, maybe not being taken care of, maybe his or her health is in danger, then you've made a decision, you've reached out, and you have brought that child into your family for how long? For all days. There's no end to that. There's no limit to that. And it was 100% by your initiation and by your grace. That is a picture of what God, a thousand times more valuable, has done for us. He has rescued us. And it is a permanent rescue. And it was 100% by his initiative and grace. So the first word I want you to think is adoption. The second word I want you to think is family. Notice it says our father in heaven. It doesn't say my father. When I hear people quote the Lord's prayer, I always pay attention to that because it seems like the majority of the time, people change that first word to my father, my father. But it is very intentional here that it is our father in heaven. What's the significance of that? We need to remember that we are a part of the body of Christ. And our expression of our Christianity, the way we live our Christian life, the word for that is our spirituality. The way we relate to God is as a group. Now, we are saved as individuals. We sit as individuals. We call upon God as individuals. And God saves us through the blood of Christ as individuals. But then the expression of walking with God is never an individual expression. All through the scriptures, when people pray to receive Christ, when people are adopted into his family, then they live out the Christian life connected with other Christians in the church. The church is not some American idea. The church is not some modern concept. The church is something that Jesus created. It is what he calls the body of Christ. I'll tell you, and I know some will disagree, but I get really nervous really nervous about people who say that they are children of God, but they have separated themselves from the church. Not one church to go to another church, but they have separated themselves from the church and for a thousand different reasons. I don't, I don't know that the reasons even matter, but they've separated themselves from the church. Now, now listen closely to what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you're saved because you go to church, but I think going to church, while it is not determinative, it does not determine that you're saved, it certainly is indicative because there's no example of a Christian spirituality. There's no example of someone living out the Christian faith not connected with other believers in the church. And so when somebody says, I want to be a Christian, but I'm not going to be a part of the church. I'm going to love, I'm going to love Christ, but I'm going to reject the body of Christ. I'm telling you, you have an expression of Christianity that just does not match what the Bible says. It does not match what the Bible says. And I know that makes people feel uncomfortable. My, my, my job is not to make people feel uncomfortable. My, my job is to, is to preach and teach the truth. And, and, and personally, I, I don't know what grounds of assurance I would have, the assurance that I am a genuine Christian. I don't know what grounds, what, what would be the foundation of my assurance if I was not a part 
of the body of Christ. If my Christian life didn't in some way match the pattern that I read in scripture. And I think we're reminded of that right here in the very first word of this prayer. Our Father, we come to the Lord as an our, not as a my. The whole idea of this solo Christianity, that is an American creation. You look at the history of the church. It wasn't until America that, that we came up with this idea that, that somehow the church is an auxiliary tack-on to the Christian faith. Uh, it was never true uh, in the Bible, and it was never true for many centuries uh, until, until recent years. And so uh, he says, our Father, we should pray, our Father, our Father in heaven. Uh, the next phrase, I've got to go quickly here, uh, your name be honored as holy. And here's where we hear that in our heads, uh, hallowed be your name. Uh, same thing, I, I hallowed, uh, most... Uh, it's just not a word that we're familiar with. You don't use it often. So I like to see it in a more updated vocabulary, uh, even though both would be absolutely correct. Uh, what he's telling us is that the whole purpose of life, the whole purpose of creation, is that God's name would be made holy. That's why you draw breath today, is to honor God. Right? That's, that's the reason God created you. That's the reason God gives you another day is so that you can bring honor to him. And so in this prayer, we celebrate that. Holy be your name. Now you might think, well, I thought his name was holy anyway. How, how am I to make his name holy? I, I thought he is the holy God. His name is holy. What, what, what does that have to do with me? Well, you're right. His name is holy. But go back to the idea of partnership. He is holy. There's no question. It's not that he's waiting to see if I make him holy or not. He is holy. But I'm going to partner with that. And I seek to make him holy in all the different contexts of my life. Uh, I pray, Father, uh, be holy in my church, in the church that I get to be a part of, be lifted up and be honored in church. I pray that often, be holy, be honored in my parenting. As I seek to parent three daughters, I, I, I want God to be honored somehow in that parenting. I've got a whole list of things. Be honored in my finances. Be honored in, in the way I spend the money I have. God, somehow you be honored in that. Be honored in the lives of my kids. Be honored in my marriage, my job, my neighborhood, my school. And so I pray, holy, may your name be honored as holy, not because there's some question about whether it will or not, but because I'm going to partner with God that it might be holy in every part of my life. The next, um, the next phrase, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Now, I think the important thing there is just to ask the question, whose kingdom is this? This, this life I live, is this, this my kingdom? Is it your kingdom? Uh, is it the kingdom of some human leader, some pastor or political figure, some actor, singer, athlete, or star? No, it is the kingdom of God. And, and the whole structure of life should be about the glory and honor of God. The next phrase, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the prayer is, may, may I, 
and others around me, you, family, neighbors, may we do God's will. Now remember, this is, this is a partnership. Uh, God's will will be done, right? Because he is sovereign. But I want to partner with God and I seek, I'm praying that God will help me to seek that his will, his desire, his plans, that they might be accomplished in my life. So there are really three parts of this. When I, when I pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I, I think first of all, God's will should be done by other people. And so I'm often praying that other people will know God's will and do God's will. Uh, we've um, just created a, a youth minister search team here. I'm praying, already begun to pray. God, help those people know your will and chase after your, your will. Uh, I pray for our president. I pray for the Congress. I pray uh, for our Supreme Court. You know, this is the season. They're handing down last year's rulings or the rulings over the last 12 months. Uh, and, and, and maybe it's a little late pray now. The rulings have been written, but I'm still praying and I often pray, Lord, help those men and women, those, those governmental leaders, help them to know what your will is and help them to do do your will. So God's will be done by others. Secondly, I ask that God will show me his will in specific circumstances. Uh, I'm praying about a parenting decision right now. And um, I don't know what to do. I'm praying that God will show me his will about a matter. I'm praying about a financial decision right now. I'm not sure what to do. I'm praying that God will show me his will, his path. In, in, that, uh, in that matter. And then the third thing is to plead with God for the strength to do his will in those areas. Uh, I've made a list. I'm a list maker. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, I make a lot of lists. And I've made a list of everything that I want to accomplish in July. This is not a part of the summer series. This is just my little mini Noel Deer summer series. And so I've got a list of things to do at church, list of things I want to do at home, a list of things I want to do personally, just my own spiritual walk and health. And it's a long list. I'm, July is a month I've given to the Lord for some, some reformation in my life. And so I'm praying, uh, because there's no value in the list, right? I'm praying that I will have the strength of the Lord to do the things on the list. So when it comes to your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I'm praying that others will know his will and do it. I'm praying that I will know and I will partner with the strength of God to do, to do his will. The next phrase, give us today our daily bread. Now, let me give you, let me show you where we are so far in the prayer. There are, though I've divided it into nine phrases, for teaching purposes, there are really only six petitions here. There are three petitions. The first three talk about the glory of God. Holy be your name. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Three petitions there about God. And then there are three petitions. There's this perfect symmetry here. There are three petitions for us, things I need for him to do for me. And, and we begin those petitions here with give us our, uh, our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Now, here's, here's the danger. Can I tell you the danger with this petition, give us our daily bread? The danger is that you would get to this too quickly. Okay? You know what I mean? 
that you would fly through one, two, three, and you would land on number four. Sometimes we get too hasty. And there's a reason why when, when Jesus gave us this model prayer, he put this in the middle. There are things you need to do before you get to number four. I bought one of those yard umbrellas. I'm not sure if that's what you call it, but those big square things you put in your yard, uh, tent kind of things. I don't know. I bought one, whatever it is. You don't need to know. Uh, but I, uh, I get all the pieces laid out, uh, way more pieces than I thought when I bought it. And uh, then there are instructions, way more steps than I thought would be involved in putting up this uh, 10 by 10 umbrella. And you'd be proud of me. I looked at the first step and I did it. I did number one first. But then I'm looking at all this stuff and, you know, I, I, I think I'm a reasonably, um, well, I'm a reasonable person anyway. <laughs> I don't need all of those instructions. I can figure out step number two. And so I went to what I thought was step number two, ended up being step number six. <laughs> but I did step number two. And then I, I, I did notice after I had done it that it was step six, not two. But I thought, I got to be smarter than whoever writes books on tent construction. I mean, what kind of job is that? And so I went on and I created my own step three. I don't even think that was one of their steps. <laughs> but I quickly discovered that there was a reason that they gave the steps in the order that they had given them. I had to undo some of my steps so that I could redo their steps. Had I gone even a step or two further, I think I would have damaged it and I would have had to go back to the store and buy another tent. Um, sometimes we need to pay attention to how it's given to us. And this is number four. So many times when we pray, this is number one. And it's also number last. That's all we want to do. Give us, our day, give us today our daily bread. But let's keep it where it belongs. Now, there are three parts to this. I'm going to go through these quickly. First is give us. Give us. We need to live understanding that we are totally dependent upon God for everything. You could not draw another breath if it weren't for the Lord. And you might think, Pastor, I have daily bread. I got, I got monthly bread at my house. I mean, we, we've got a refrigerator full of stuff and a pantry full of stuff. But listen, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have a house that wouldn't be standing for you to walk back into it when you get home from church were it not for the grace and the mercy of God. We need to live our days understanding that we are totally dependent upon the Lord. I have a pastor friend who... You know, back in the days that churches did revivals uh, once or twice a year, I'm sure this church, every church, every Baptist church would have revivals. And so a pastor friend of mine, he, he was a real popular uh, preacher at these uh, church revivals. And so a lot of churches, uh, rural Mississippi, they would do a revival, a week-long revival every June. And so he was always preaching these revivals. Every, I guess every week of June, he would preach one. And he had a sermon uh, that he would preach about, you know, you better get ready. I mean, it seemed like all the revival sermons were really the same sermon, just with different verses. But when he would preach it, he would, and I can't, I can't make the sound, but he would, he would snap his fingers through the entire sermon. And it just, it was distracting to begin with. But after about 30 minutes of this, you needed that next snap. Your heart was beating with that snap. And he'd get to the end of that and he would say, every moment is dependent upon God. And without God, your heart won't beat another time. And he would stop 
and everybody go. (gasps) (laughs) But it's true, right? We need to live our lives. Give me today my daily bread, understanding that every moment depends upon him. Now, the next part is daily. What does it mean to pray for our daily bread? That doesn't mean we can't pray for things far into the future. But it does mean that we ought to have this daily kind of dependence upon God. This isn't just something periodically we do. Every day. Uh, This really came from uh, an event that happened in Exodus chapter 16. Where the people didn't have food. I'm making a long story short. God gave them bread from heaven. Manna. And you know how much God gave them? God would rain this bread down. They'd wake up in the morning. They were in the desert. It wasn't any other source of food. So they'd wake up in the morning and they would gather the manna. We call it bread. They would gather the bread. And God would only allow them to gather enough for their family to eat for one day. If they gathered enough for two days, except the day before the Sabbath, it got a little complicated then, but if they gathered enough for two days, God would make sure it spoiled overnight and it wasn't available the second day. And what was God trying to teach them? You have to depend upon him every single day. That's the kind of dependence this is talking about. And then he says to pray for bread. Now bread stands for just the daily needs of life. That means we should pray for everything. Pray for everything. If you need something, pray for it. If it's enough to burden your hearts, enough to pray for. We've talked about that before. The Bible says in the book of Philippians chapter 4 that we should take everything to the Lord. Pray for everything. Even your daily bread, we should pray to the Lord. Give us today our daily bread. I have two bonus truths here, but I'm running out of time, aren't I? Uh, Let's go to the next one, and uh, maybe we'll hit that one on a pastor's show. Forgive us our debts is the next one. Romans 6.23, it's interesting that he calls these sins debts. Why does he use the word debts? Because we owe God when we sin. What do we owe God? Romans 6.23, we owe God our very lives. The wages of sin is death. I um, was uh, sharing the gospel with, uh, with a man this week. I, I'm sure he's here at one of our services this morning, and he prayed to receive Christ here on a, on a Wednesday or a Thursday morning. And, and, and this is the verse I use, Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death. We pray and ask God to satisfy that debt with the blood of Jesus Christ. The next phrase, and we also forgive our debtors. So we should pray that God will forgive us. This is, by the way, where we confess our sins. We learned a few weeks ago how to confess our sins. So we confess our sins here, specific sins. But then we, then we forgive the people who have sinned against us. Now, the reason these are connected in the Lord's Prayer is because the second needs the foundation of the first. The reason I'm able to forgive other people is because I've first been forgiven. The only reason I can forgive someone who has injured me is because I know that I've injured God and and God has forgiven me. On the basis of that, I can forgive somebody else. In fact, I think it says something about someone's, the authenticity of someone's faith when someone just cannot forgive. If you cannot forgive, then likely you have not been forgiven. That's what he teaches. Going quickly, do, do not Bring us into temptation. 
Now that's confusing a little bit because the Bible says in James 1.13, no one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God since God is not tempted by evil and he does not tempt anyone. So why here would we pray that God would not lead us into temptation? Now again, back to partnership. This is a partnership. And, and God is not going to lead you into temptation, but, but I'm, I'm recognizing that, and I'm talking about my responsibility. There's two truths here. We need the Lord's help and protection to avoid sin. Don't ever think that there's some sin that you're just too good. You would never do that. Other people might do it. Other people might not be faithful. Other people might steal. Other people might take this action. I would never do that. Well, without the Without the help of God, without the grace of God, who knows what you would do? There's no limit to what you would do. So we need the Lord's help and protection to avoid sin. And then we must urgently seek to overcome sin. This is a partnership. Lord, lead me away from temptation. I need your help and I need to fight with sin myself. There's some urgency to this. I was reading Augustine, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, one of our church fathers, somebody back in the fourth century writing about Christianity, and he, when he was young, he said, Lord, grant me chastity. He was talking about not sinning. He said, Lord, help me not to sin, but not yet. Okay. Well, the, the Lord's prayer is this, uh, it's, a, it's a commitment. Lord, lead me not to temptation, because I want to live a different life. And then finally, delivers from the evil one. Uh, our evil one, 1 Peter 5, 8, is uh, Satan. I think oftentimes we connect this too strongly with the phrase that goes before, don't let Satan lead me to temptation either. But you know, when you read scripture, Satan's primary weapon is not to lead us to temptation. There are some exceptions in scripture, but, but primarily temptation in scripture comes from from our sinful nature and from the world. Temptation doesn't primarily come from the devil. So what does the devil do? Why do we need freedom from the, from, from the attacks of the devil? The primary weapon of the de devil is not temptation, it's accusation. And so Satan will tell us that we are under the condemnation of God because we've sinned. Satan will tell us that we've been separated from God because we've sinned. Satan will tell us we can't come to church because of what we did last week. The, uh, Satan will tell us that we can't read our Bibles and we can't pray because we're too far from God because we've lived such a lousy life and that just takes us further and further and further away from God. We've got to recognize that that's, that is the weapon of Satan, that accusation. And so when I say, deliver me from the evil one, deliver us from the evil one, I'm saying, God, help me remember that I'm your child and I've been adopted into your family because of what Christ has done and you love me and there's no condemnation for sin. So all that's introduction and we're already over. I'm going to go really fast. Uh, so how should we use the model prayer? Uh, I, I think the model prayer, now that you understand the basics, the model prayer is our tool to expand, to expand our prayer lives. So let me give you one, two, three, how it expands it. First of all, it can expand your prayer consistency. When you struggle to pray, are you listening, church? When you struggle to pray, here's the simple solution. I know you've all struggled. Here's the simple solution. Here's how to prime the pump. Pray the model prayer. 
You get up in the morning, you don't want to pray because you don't feel like praying and you don't feel like talking to God and you just are distracted or guilty or whatever. Pray the model prayer and then expand on it. This is the easiest place to start and, and no matter what your attitude is, you can start with the Lord's Prayer. So can I pray the Lord's Prayer for you right now? If I just modeled this, maybe I get up this morning and I don't feel like praying. I just don't have a heart for praying, but I know I should pray and I, I desire deep down to pray. I'm going to prime the pump by praying like this. Our Father in heaven, I know that you are my Father even when I don't feel like it. And I'm thankful that you're in heaven and that you stand in a place of power and authority and I come before you. Your name be honored as holy. I pray that today in my life, I don't know what I'm going to face, but you do. But in every case, I pray that I'll be able to honor your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done. I pray that I will have the wisdom to know today what it is you'd have me to do and the strength to do it. On earth as it is in heaven, give us today our daily bread. Father, I have some needs right now, and I'm struggling with some things. And I, here they are, letter A, letter B, letter C, and I ask you to give me my daily bread. Forgive my trespasses, my sins. I know I've been guilty of this, this, and that. And I confess that as sin to you, and it is against you, and it is wrong, and I ask that you would forgive me and restore me and put me on a different path. And Father, if, if I'm struggling to forgive somebody, I pray that that name and that situation would pop in my mind right now and I would forgive those who sinned against me. And Father, protect me from temptation today. You promise you'll not put me in a position where I can't escape if I lean on you. But Father, I know sometimes my problem is not my ability, it's my want to. And I pray you fix my want to I pray that you'll deliver me from the evil one because right now perhaps I'm discouraged and I feel a million miles away from you, but I know that's the lie of Satan. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, and I need your help forever and ever. Amen. All right. So I don't know. I didn't time that. Two minutes maybe. And you know, if you take the Lord's Prayer and you just expand on it, you may be able to do it in two minutes. Some days it may turn into an hour. But if you can't pray, here's number one, it's the Lord's Prayer will expand your consistency. If you don't know how to pray and you don't feel like praying, just whip this out and start praying it. And if it just takes you a minute, that's better than not praying, but you'd be surprised. The Lord will grab your heart. Um, I read uh, Thomas Manton this week, uh, he, he talked about Imagining a husband and wife, two people living in the same home, and they're walking, I mean, they're, they're around each other all day, every day, and they don't speak to each other. They're giving each other the silent treatment, and it goes on day after day after day. Now, if you were an observer to that silent treatment, what would you conclude? You would conclude that those people are angry at each other, that they hate each other. Now, why would you conclude that? They didn't say anything. There wasn't some argument that you overheard. It was just silence. Because we know what silence means. But some of us are giving God the silent treatment. And it sure looks like there's some anger between us and God. Let the Lord's Prayer expand the consistency. Now, very quickly, let it expand the frequency. Now, I don't have a lot of time for this. 
But this whole idea taught by pastors like me and others that you ought to have a daily devotion, one prayer a day, read your Bible, pray, and you're done. That is not a biblical expression of faith. In the Bible, and I gave you all the verses when we touched on this a few weeks ago, most people in the Bible, there's all this evidence that they prayed, they had three devotions a day, three quiet times a day. They had to use a different word. But this was never a once a day thing. It was always multiple times a day. Now, I've tried to do this and I'm like you, we're all too busy. I can't stop in the middle of the day or in the afternoon and, and have a devotional time with God. There are too many things on that task list to do. But here's what you can do. When you finish lunch and you get just a moment by yourself, you could just pull out the Lord's Prayer, which is probably already in your head and your heart, and just say it and expand on it. And let it be two minutes or 20 minutes, whatever the Lord makes it that day. And make this not only expand the consistency of your prayer, but the frequency of your prayer. What if we did this three, four, five times a day? And if, you, if, if that scares you, I can't pray that many times a day. This is the tool, and you can. And then finally, it can expand prayer participation. If you want to pray with some other people, with your family, with your Sunday school class, with your friends or your discipleship group. There are six petitions in the Lord's Prayer. You just sit down and you say, listen, Tom, you got number one, you got number two, you got number three, I'll take number four, let's go. Tom, you start. You read petition number one and you just pray whatever comes to your mind. I don't care if it's six words or, I mean, don't go too long on us, but uh, you just pray. And then next it's you, and then next it's you. I promise you, you do that. You will, you will experience prayer together as a group that perhaps you've never experienced before with your friends or your family. Listen, heads bowed, eyes closed. You know, there's little value in this sermon series if all you know is a little more about prayer. But if we'll pray, God's given us all the tools we need. Let's be people of prayer. Father, we come in the name of Jesus Christ and we ask you to make us people of prayer. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.